Today's episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined as always by my co-host and my co-Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How are you doing, DK? Uh, I'm doing splendidly. Spl- splendid, splendidly. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm fantastic. I'm glad that you're splendid. <laughs> Craig, are you splendid? Sure, I'm splendid. It's the holidays. Are you splendidly? It is the holidays, although technically it's like not because we're recording this on Wednesday, December 18th. So we're lying. We're kind of coming from the not so distant past. <laughs> For all the listeners yeah. out there, your seasons are all over. Ours are not yet. Yeah, no, we still have rays of hope and optimism. Hmm. So, are you, are you guys excited for your championship weekend? Yeah, because we're in the championship. DK, are you excited for yours? Oh. Well, not in the Ringer League, but yeah, I am. Okay. You know, I've well, got, didn't Mina Kimes bump you from your other playoffs, too? Uh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh. That, was, I mean, uh, that I mean, was a lot of fun. Just, you know, want to make sure I'm up to date on your life. It's important to me. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to focus on the leagues that I'm still in. So that, that's that been fun. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck Speaking with Speaking of fun, this one. is a fun show. We're doing this superlatives. This is a fun show. We're doing superlatives. Thank you for Craig, keeping us on track, as always. We are doing superlatives. Our seasons are not over, but it is... Never too late. We're gonna. We're just gonna reflect. We're gonna look back on the season. What we learned, really, not really, what made us feel. That's really what we're going for. What made us feel good, and mostly what made us feel horrible. It's really like the airing of grievances. This is like the Festivus podcast. Yeah, this the is airing your, of grievances. Yeah, this is us complaining. I have a question for you guys. Were either of you um, winners of any superlatives in high school? I got best laugh. Oh, <laughs> you do have a good laugh. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I was. Um, most likely to become a fantasy analyst? No, most likely to become president, that old jazz. You got most likely to become president? I was, yes. What were you like in high school, Danny? <laughs> so this was like two years ago. A lot like this. Yeah. I was, I was the class Se- president. Several years ago. Yeah. Do people like presidents? Like, I, it's obviously like a great job and whatnot, but like— I think it's very polarizing, especially right now. No, I mean like in general. Like if somebody like— <laughs> if, very polarizing If the topic. guy in your high school is like, I want to be president one day. Like, is that guy cool? Or is he kind of like— Did you go to high no. school with Pete Buttigieg? I'm just wondering, like, if you're the guy who everyone's like, oh, he's most likely to be president, was that a compliment? I think it depends on the guy, because there's, like, a lot of people like that. It's hard to generalize. So what do you think? Was it a compliment for you? Oh. Oh, that's where you're going with this. That's where I'm going. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did, you enjoy, did, you, did you like when you 100%. got that superlative? We're spending too much time on this, but, I mean, I was the class <laughs> president, so, like, I, I you know, I, I brought it on myself. Oh, my God, he was class president. I, yeah. I was wow. class treasurer. This is, you were the class treasurer? I was. What the, were you treasuring? So many things. Prom, rallies. So you were the social chair for your high school? No, I wasn't the social chair. I was treasurer. I was I was writing those fat checks. I don't know? think anyone cares about any of this. <laughs> Disagree. Let's go. <laughs> we're let's go to the superlatives. Let's go to who we ranked we arbitrarily as our favorite people in certain yes. categories. 
Yeah. It's not arbitrary. It's you're measuring the heart, which is the most important thing that matters. Let's roll. Did you do it arbitrarily? Can we get going, please, for the love yeah, of God? there's only a few more of these. This is how you know we got to wind Dude. down. All right. First up, the Comeback Player of the Year Award. Probably doesn't need much explanation. DK, who's your Comeback Player of the Year? Going with Dalvin Cook of the Vikings. I basically have zero shares of Dalvin Cook this year because I was not super confident that he could stay healthy. Um, for the most part, that's been incorrect. I mean, obviously, he's dealing with the shoulder injury right now, but... Um, Put together a very, very solid season. He was the RB19 on per-game points last week. Uh, sorry, in 2018, in just 11 games. He just didn't really look like himself until late in the season. Um, however, this year, the RB2 through Week 15, 20.9 PBR points per game. He's a freaking stud. And, yeah, he's just like one of the, he's. I think he's established himself as one of the best running backs in the NFL. You know, one of the most fun running backs to watch, certainly. And so... Um, yeah, I think Dalvin Cook's comeback year was just a lot, a lot of fun. I was really glad that he got through it. Yeah, and again, we're recording this December 18th, so we don't yet know if he played in Week 16. Maybe he won or lost to your fantasy championship. We don't know because that's Monday night, and sorry in advance. Uh, but Probably won't change his award. Probably though. won't change the award because he's been fantastic and stayed yeah, healthy yeah. For, and played through some injury toward the end until Week 16. Was exactly as good as we were promised he would be if he could stay healthy for the season. Yeah, I mean, he was just the perfect fit in that offense. He's super, super elusive. Just a lot of fun. And and yeah, he was an awesome fantasy player, too. You know who's a lot more fun? Craig's, Who? Craig's pick. Leonard Fournette! Yeah, buddy! Comeback player of the year! $100,000 richer. That is a week old news story by the time you're listening. But today, he got his 99K back from Tom Coughlin, who fined him for sitting on the bench or something <laughs> last year. I don't really understand how that's 100000 But Give he got all his the money. money, and he got us all our money, because Leonard Fournette's the guy. Yeah, I feel like he was he was the Danacy guy this year. He, I guess he made the leap. You know, I don't know. Looking at his stats last year— he wasn't like as bad as it seemed. He just only played eight games right. and his rookie year was kind of disappointing. He had 10 touchdowns his rookie year, but he didn't really play that great. I feel like he actually made the leap as a player this year more than he did as a fantasy player. He's the RB7 this year and he's only got three damn touchdowns and he's already outscored his rookie year when he had 10 touchdowns. And he's he's just grown in so many ways, you know? He's like our son. <laughs> he's grown up. He used to bring home crappy finger paintings and now he's bringing home papers that are really <laughs> eloquently written. And um, he's, he's really shined in every way, especially as a receiver. He's on pace for 83 catches this year. He's third in the league in catches right now amongst running backs. I think that's got to be the most surprising part of this whole thing. 100%. Cause, yeah, because no one thought he would have any sort of value in that area of the game. And so that's been huge for him. Yeah, and if the Jags ever don't suck, he's going to be even better. So comeback player, <laughs> Lenny Forns. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to positively regress next year in the touchdown. Uh, category and he's gonna and he's gonna continue to get tons and tons of volume. So I think he's gonna have a huge year in 2020. Because he was like a third round pick this year, I would say for most people in the draft, and he'll probably be like a late first round pick next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got Leonard Fournette for you in four numbers. I can net you Leonard Fournette. Okay, number one, there is 45 qualified running backs this year. Number two, of those 45, Leonard Fournette is 42nd in yards before contact. Wow. Of those 45, he is. Third in yards after contact. I mean, that just is a direct example of how good he is. And number one of the 45, <laughs> he's the only one whose Twitter background is touching the hand of God. He really can't miss this year. That's, that's, that's a great stat. That's yeah. my fa- it's, that's my favorite advanced stat is who's photoshopped themselves <laughs> onto the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Leonard Fournette. Beautiful. God. All right. My 
I love him so much. But my comeback player of the year. This is great. It's a controversial choice. (laughs) Everybody who has not, everybody's left the yoke of Adam Gase. All of them came back. Every single player who escaped the vice grip of Adam Adam Gase in Miami is the comeback player of the year. Ryan Tannehill, the number four fantasy football quarterback since week seven. He has four rushing touchdowns this season. Tannehill had four rushing touchdowns in the previous six years. (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe I say that out loud. He's, a, he's a world, like, he's dominating, man. He's a world breaker. Kenyon Drake, running back for the Dolphins, had four touchdowns last week. He had never had more than four in his season in Miami before this year. <laughs> Minka Fitzpatrick, the, the defensive back for Miami. Shout out if you're an, an IDP league or whatever. He had two interceptions as a rookie in 2018. He had five picks in his first seven games as a Steeler. And if you had the Steelers defense and special teams, congratulations. But the the greatest of all, Craig's other child. (laughs) Yeah. Devontae Parker, who doubles as my waiver wire league winner award. Devontae Parker last year was benched for so long that his agent was in a prolonged public feud with Adam Gase over playing time. That they were, they were literally like the headline of ESPN.com for like, like, Three consecutive weeks was just Devontae Parker's agent sniping back with Adam Gase about Devontae Parker cannot get on the field. This year, (laughs) Devontae Parker came into the year outside the top 200 drafted fantasy players, outside the top 230 in PPR. In the last six weeks, Devontae Parker is the number four fantasy football receiver. He's been incredibly good. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and D.J. Moore. If you cut, if you just cut, chop off the first three weeks of the fantasy season, he's the number seven receiver on the year. Love it, amazing. I want to ask you guys a question. This is a this is an off the cuff poll. Uh, who would you rather have coaching your team, your favorite team? Uh, Adam Gase, Jeff Fisher, or Jim Tom Sula? That's a great question. Jim Tom Sula, <laughs> for those who don't remember, was the. 49ers, like a really nice guy that kind of looked like he worked at like Staples would help you think around a well lit department. over store. his head on that one. Yeah. I like, oh, no, it's not Gase. I guess it's Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher's the most likable. Jeff Fisher's like a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> like he's nice. <laughs> he has his ranch. <laughs> All the players loved Jim, uh, Jeff Fisher. It's not cool. Adam yeah, Gase. The, that's my answer. The and teams so- were incredibly, incredibly underachieving. Seven and I mean, it's it's on it's on the Adam Gase level. I'm going against no, I, I anyone but Adam Gase. That's my that's yeah. My I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. It's nice to be a Giants fan because they'll always have a better coach than the Jets as long as Adam Gase is in town. So yeah, there you go. Everyone who escaped Adam Gase, my comeback player of the year, and Sam Darnold will be the comeback player of the year in 2021 when the Jets <laughs> eventually fire Gase. That's an amazing one, Danny. Um, waiver, I'm going to go to my yeah waiver wire league winner. Go to my waiver wire league winner here. Mine is Darren Waller of the Raiders. It's kind of funny because Waller had quite a bit of preseason hype. Like people were talking about him during the offseason. I remember this. And yet he did end up going basically undrafted. He was the tight end 20 with an ADP of 177th overall. And then if you remember in week one, he caught seven passes for 70 yards and everyone, there's like a mass rush to pick him up on the waiver wire. He ended up finishing as the tight end three through 15 weeks, averaged 13.1 PPR points per game. He did that all with only while only scoring three touchdowns. So he's just a catch machine. Derek Carr was feeding him, you know, all the time. Obviously, it helped when um, Renfro ended up going out of like the offense because he he kind of Renfro kind of ended up 
like poaching some of his target share. But Waller was awesome this year. I think he was a huge, huge pickup for a lot of people because tight end was just such a wasteland again. Darren Waller, we're going to have a lot of fun. I do actually want to shout out, he has overcome quite a bit to actually have become the Raiders' number one option. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, good story. Yeah, it really... That one's actually very cool in real life. Significantly cooler in real life than actual fantasy. And something that <laughs> is not at all cool in real life, but very great for us personally. Craig, who's your... <laughs> what about you, Craig? <laughs> My waiver wire league winner is... Um, well, I hate myself for this, but it's Austin Hooper, I think. <laughs> Austin Hooper has been really good. He was drafted as a tight end 11, 105th overall. He's the tight end number three in points per game. All right. Pretty good. From weeks three to eight, he averaged 20 points a game, which is like by far the most. He was the best tight end in the league for like a good five weeks before he sprained his his MCL. I was already bummed when he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That was like the pinnacle of it when me and all my friends were like, damn it. Like your middle (laughs) middle school nemesis. Yeah. All my friends who went to middle school with me were like, God, doesn't it suck that somebody in our class caught a a touchdown in the Super Bowl? It can't get any better than that, right? And then he like turns out to be (laughs) one of the better tight ends in the league. But, um, He's been really great for everybody who had who uh, who bet on him this year. It was not me. Do you ever feel like you'll be the third best podcast producer per week in the whole country? I think I'm on that path. You right? had the, you had a good week. I mean, you did the rewatchables Godfather? Yeah, that was a biggie. Check that out. It's like nine hours long, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Super Bowl touchdown, Craig. That is. You'll get there one day. Mm-hmm. One day you can edit Austin's podcast. I won't do that. <laughs> That's a bridge too far. Yes. All right. The burn too bright for this world award, which we should probably rename. Uh, someone who started really hot and then completely dropped off. I'm going with Sammy Watkins. Yeah, let's call this the Sammy Watkins Award. Nine catches, 198 yards, three touchdowns, 46.8 PPR points, which I'm guessing is like, if it's not the top one this season, one of the top three. Um and yeah, everybody who kind of skipped over him in the drafts because he's been injured all basically his whole career, basically been overhyped his whole career, um, were <laughs> extremely crestfallen when he had three touchdowns in week one. Um, it was finally Watkins' year. I remember like this, you know, this overall like overwhelming thought that because well, he had that week one, arrived. and we were like, well, you know, this has happened before, but we're also like, did you know Sammy uh, Watkins is just twenty six years old? Yeah, um, and it ended up being kind of the same story all over again. Yeah, it was the same uh, thing. It was like th- nothing changed. Yeah, through nine weeks. Uh, thanks mostly to his first week explosion. He had he was still actually the wide receiver nineteen in per game average. There was like. A few solid nine and ten point PPR games in there. Since week nine, he's averaged six point seven PPR points per game. Oh he's right God. up there with uh, massive fantasy names such as Kelvin Harmon, Isaiah Ford, Jacoby Myers, Willie Sneed, and Seth Roberts. So uh, I think he has like a twenty million dollar cap hit or something like that. Would you rather have Just Adam Gase be ideal. your head coach or Sammy Watkins be your number one receiver? <laughs> Sammy Watkins. Oh my god! Oh no, no, no. your whole receiver anybody, core is anybody Sammy with Gase. No, you have four Sammy Watkins clones are your receivers, or oh, Adam done. Gase is your coach. If I can like genetically like fix Sammy Watkins' hamstrings, then I would take Sammy Watkins because <laughs> I do oh, think god. he's really talented. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's definitely really talented. It's just God, the most frustrating fantasy player of all time. Maybe, yeah, is up there. Mine, well, really, really, we could just rename this as deceiving yards because you look yeah. at like the season average total, and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad, and you're like, you remove like one week, and it's just completely out of <laughs> whack. For me, it's Cooper Cup is my drop off slash deceiving yards person. 
Because you yeah. look at the whole season, it's one thing. Really, Cooper Cup, tail of two halves. First eight games, Cup is the number four receiver in PPR. Second half of the season, Cup is the number 39 receiver in PPR. Oh, my God. Basically like Adam Thielen light from last year's first half. Cooper Cup has 239 yards in his last five games. He had 220 yards alone in week eight. He has barely surpassed his week eight total since that game. Yeah. Most of that came in one half, too. And most of, most of it came in one <laughs> half. And then even the numbers he has since then are kind of cheating because he caught one touchdown last week when the Rams were down, or two weeks like ago. Garbage like, time. When the Rams were, it was like 44 to 7 or something, or 44 to 14. There was like 20 seconds left. Cooper Cup, tough year for Cooper, tough second half of the year for Cooper Cup. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone who has him is just nodding right now, really sad, glum. Cheer up, it's okay. It's the holidays. <laughs> Speaking of cheering up, yeah. The Matt Asiata Memorial Award. <laughs> we all remember when Matt Asiata had nine touchdowns in 2014 for God knows why. Who is the Matt Asi- Matt Asiata of 2019? There weren't really yeah. any good ones. Yeah, there were. Heifetz um, said no one, and I actually think that's the right call. It, it is. I, I threw out a couple ideas. Like Darren Fells had, I think he scored seven touchdowns, which <laughs> was just taking away from the bottom line of Hopkins and, and Fuller and whoever. Um, I'm going with Jeff Wilson, even though it was extremely short lived. It was hilarious. It was a two week stretch, weeks two and three. He scored four touchdowns on 18 carries. He's essentially the 49ers. Like designated goal line ramrod, like he, they basically just put him in there and like run him into the line yeah. as hard as possible. That was the game where touchdown. Rita and Coleman both fumbled. I think one of them technically had like it was technically an interception because they caught a ball and like fumbled it, but like it was tech they caught it in the air, so it was like a pick. But they both yeah. fumbled, so they both lost the goal line carries back to back, and then Jeff Wilson got all four touchdowns in the game. Jeff Wilson runs hard. Like there's he he's a great goal line back. He only he basically they stopped using him because you can only have so many guys like active or whatever. Like there's multiple reasons for why they stopped using him, but for that short period, it was really funny because Jeff Wilson was like a popular waiver wire pickup just based on the fact he was getting goal line carries only. Craig, who's your Matt Asiata light? I feel like it's Malcolm Brown a little bit. It could have been a lot worse. Todd Gurley actually wasn't as bad as people thought this year, but but Malcolm Brown did steal four rushing touchdowns that were all like one yard and in crucial moments. Yeah. It really got started with week one when he had two, and everyone was like, oh God, this is the year from hell. <laughs> For Todd Gurley. And then he only had two more in the season after that. But he did have one in week 14, which was week one of fantasy playoffs. And Todd Gurley, like, ran the whole 99 yards to the one. And then, like, Malcolm Brown comes in for the last yard. So if I had to give it to anybody, it would be him. Because he was every time he came in the game, you were just so frustrated. I actually like Darren Fells as a choice, TK. Because the second string tight end of the Texans getting seven touchdowns and DeAndre, like more than DeAndre Hopkins is kind of incredible. <laughs> right. yeah, that's funny. So there we go. Yeah, this is, this is not the category, but it reminded me of kind of just one that I want to talk about. Like the most disappointing, like the player that like did not live up to the preseason hype. And, and I was, when you're talking about Malcolm Brown, I was just thinking of how disappointed I was that Daryl, Daryl Henderson got like, 12 carries this year or something like that. Like, I was so excited about what he could do in the preseason. You know, they traded up for him in the draft. We keep hearing about Todd Gurley's decrepit knees. And then Malcolm Brown is the backup. And Todd Gurley ends up playing, like, you know, down the stretch and everything. I I was just so disappointed that Daryl Henderson wasn't a bigger part of that offense. (laughs) Daryl Henderson. Little aside. Like, big 
Big Beto O'Rourke vibes. Heard a lot about him all summer. <laughs> <laughs> all summer was all I could hear was this guy's coming up, 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 yeah. up. And then just absolutely cratered by the time it's December. You don't forget he even exists. It's the amazing. Darwin Thompson Award <laughs> for Darwin Thompson. the Beto O'Rourke <laughs> Memorial. Beto O'Rourke <laughs> Memorial. Uh, <laughs> this is the scapegoat. All right, next up, just scapegoat. Like, look, if your fantasy season, you lose. You need to blame someone, right? Like, we can't take responsibility for our own choices. That would be, that is just a wormhole. Like, you can't go down that. That is not a choice. So, who are you guys blaming for your seasons going to shit this year? This is my this is my scapegoat for the ringer season, just going to shit. And that would be James Conner of the Steelers, who was uh, Jackson and I's first-round pick. He was a consensus first-rounder in most leagues, in fact, and people were pretty excited about him generally. Uh, but he was constantly, and I mean constantly, hurt. He, I think the games that he didn't miss, or the games that he played in, I think he came out of like 90% of them injured in some way. Um he was the tw- RB25 after, again, being a first-round pick. Um, RB14 on a per-game basis, but again, he just missed so much time and was constantly coming out of games that it was just ex- just excru- excruciatingly frustrating to have him on my team. So, yeah, that, w- that was, to me, the reason I lost the Ringer League. Um, and that one sucked because Jalen Samuels was a super competent handcuff, and then Jalen Samuels got hurt, and then he got healthy, and then he like, lost the job anyway. So you yeah. probably didn't even have all the Steelers carries when Connor was out. James Connor was like the like the fantasy player's fantasy player. You know what I mean? Like it, it was like when they say no, like, I don't actually. like <laughs> what is that? Mean? Like you know when people say like Tom Segura is a comedian's comedian. Like everybody knows that Ezekiel Elliott's good. Like anybody could like wake up, do a draft, and pick Ezekiel Elliott. I feel like there was a lot of like people who loved fantasy who were really into it who were like, oh, James Connor sneaky at, at like pick seven or eight actually could be like a top three pick in the league this year. Like it was like it was like the secret fantasy. Analyst like first round pick, yeah, and here's why the the Steelers give their running backs just like full workloads. You know, there's never a committee I mean, or ha- there hasn't been or whatever I, until this year. I definitely said that this August. I'm gonna be real, but I. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's the actual quote that sums up the Steelers season and this in a nutshell. Actually, basically, Ben Roethlisberger got hurt and Mason Rudolph came in. And Mason Rudolph sucked. And Mike Tomlin said, the most, honestly, this is the most revealing quote I heard from a coach this year. Mike Tomlin said, when you've got a young quarterback in there, sometimes the best thing you can do is turn a 70-play game into a 50-play game. (laughs) And that is what happened. The Steelers are bottom three in the league in plays run. They literally were like, we're just going to, as few chances. Try to get this season over as fast as possible. (laughs) Don't mess this up, Mason. And then same with Duck. And it's like, yeah, the reason... James Conner had an awful year, in a nutshell, is Ben got hurt, and they're like, all right, you know how we like yeah. threw the most passes in 2018? We're going to throw the least in 2019. We're going to all— Oh, yeah, that. that was the other reason that people loved Conner. And, and I'm not, like, you know, absolving us, because we I think we hyped him up a little bit, too, in the preseason. Um, but another reason people love Conner is because— I loved Conner. Yeah, they, they passed at an inordinate rate last year, and so a lot of people thought that they would kind of regress back to the mean in terms of their running volume. And so people are like Connor's undervalued. They're gonna, he, he's going to get the entire workload, and they're going to run a lot more than they did in 2018. Um, none of that materialized, <laughs> and so yeah. Anyways, it was just excruciating to have. Yeah, their whole thing was like your first round foundation, and, and it just didn't work out. But at least Tomlin was honest. You know who I have trouble with? You know who I'm blaming? Cliff Kingsbury. 
<laughs> the Arizona Cardinals. I'm, well, I actually don't have David Johnson in any of my leagues, but anyone who has David Johnson, I will blame Cliff Kingsbury on your behalf because Cliff Kingsbury said before the, before the year he was going to bring back the old David Johnson, the 2015 David Johnson, the number one fantasy player David Johnson. He's going to bring back 2015 David Johnson. And then basically bench David Johnson in the second half of the year. <laughs> Benched him. This was the now, most baffling occurrence this year. Why did David Johnson get benched? Insane because like he didn't he was terrible. look healthy. What well, are you talking say, about? You want to say that he was hurt, right? Like you want to be look at him and be like, well, he's clearly not himself. But they took him off the goddamn injury report. He had a back injury. Then there was an ankle thing. Then he was just off the injury report. It's like, what's going on? I, I don't know. I don't really understand the logic of why wouldn't they be like, yeah, no, he's got he's got an ankle thing. Like, okay, that's totally understandable. Instead, he came off the injury report. The first seven weeks of the year, David Johnson was a top 10 running back. He was the ninth running back. He was averaging 20 points a game. The last eight weeks, like from week eight to week through week 15, he's the number 77 running back. 77. Now, I'm not great at math, but there's 32 teams. And two times 32 is 64, which means David Johnson, on average, is a third-string running back. Yeah. This is the fourth-highest-paid running back in football. He is behind, among others, Miles Gaskin, who I always forget exists, C.J. Ham, who is the Minnesota Vikings fullback, although I think he might be Kirk Cousins' favorite receiver after Stephon Diggs, Quadri Allison on the Falcons, and then Kyle Juszczyk on the 49ers, who is also a fullback. I don't get this at all. David Johnson was like one of the most well-rounded running backs in the NFL. It's not like he's old. There was a Roto World blurb from like three days ago that called him like the 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 veteran running back David Johnson is slowing down. I was like, what are you talking he's, about veteran? He's he, like 27. He turned 28 on December 16th. Dude, running backs fall off a cliff. But here's the thing. Like, so he it, is, it just, con- it's out of nowhere. I think he's still good. Else. Important to note. He's played he's every- slow. He's slow. Note, Wes Hills, who I'd never heard of until this week who was promoted from the Lions practice squad on Saturday, played on Sunday. First, one career game has two fewer points than David Johnson since Columbus Day. When is Columbus Day? God damn it. (laughs) Early October. Don't worry. You know what? I just think it's cooler when you throw a date in there. You know, never mind. Don't worry about Columbus Day. Craig, who is your scapegoat award? Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, this is personal because he absolutely screwed me this year. I bet on cheap receivers. I didn't want to go big. And Brandon Cooks is one of the guys I thought I could rely on because he had four straight 1,000-yard seasons. He's got 500 <laughs> yards this year and one touchdown. That came in week two. He's had two games with more than four catches. He was His ADP was the wide receiver 15. He's the wide receiver 64. Yeah. And he completely fell off a cliff. And Robert Woods and Cooper Cup kind of didn't. I know Cup did at the second half of the, second half of the year, but Brandon Cooks murdered people this year. I think it's, it's it's important to state that yeah. he also did ha- suffer a head injury, which was a very heavily, serious issue. Heavily reticent. To, he had three concussions <laughs> in the last in 2019 and four yeah. in the last. Well, then don't play months. him in the game. I mean, like he's playing all the. He, he, he's playing. That is a real criticism. Yes, um, he's am, playing 50 snaps every game except like three this year. So I am a little confused why Brandon Cooks is playing football at the moment. I agree. He had two concussions this season and three this year. That's. I hope he's all right. Well, the Rams, the Rams, and to talk like schematically, the Rams, I think have their offense has completely changed since last year, and and he's just not a focal point in that offense. When he is playing, he's not a focal point of the passing game, and then they did a lot more like two receiver sets, and so someone's got to come off the field. That's why Cup fell off over the last few weeks too, is because he's just coming off the field for a tight end, which is weird as hell. 
Um, but yeah, the Rams offense was just a cluster. Yeah, it was just not good. Okay, um, I need help on this next one. It says, we got the cool uncle award here. I don't know what this means. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm Craig, just, do one Craig of you explained want to explain it really what well. the hell is Craig, going on? Why okay, do we explained have a cool it really uncle well award? Okay, we this? did this last year. I don't know if you remember, and you had the exact same response. <laughs> Consistent. <laughs> this is a fun podcast, all right? We're just supposed to have fun with it. I, the, the idea is to come up with fun, interesting awards. And I wanted an award that embodied the idea of like, every once in a while, you need somebody, they show up, they help you out, they leave. They're a good time. It's like when <laughs> it's like when you hear you got to go to like a family gathering, which I would consider a bye week in fantasy purposes, <laughs> and you're bummed because you're like, ah, dang, I got to go to a family ga- gathering. Like, oh, Thanksgiving. But then you hear your cool uncle Hank's coming, and you're like, oh, all right, Hank's gonna be there. And then you go, and you're like, all right, this wasn't so bad. Like, and he teaches you how to smoke a cigar on the back porch, but he's like, you can't tell your exactly. parents. Exactly. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know that it's gonna be a good time when he comes. <laughs> it's a bye week. He's a filler. For me, it's Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley yes. is the cool uncle. Every time you go to buy, you can rely on Cole Beasley. He was the wide receiver 30 this year. He was only 40% owned. In 8 of 14 games this year, he scored between 8 and 12 points. He's just old reliable. He barely went yeah. below 6, and he barely went above 12. And it's just right in that sweet spot, you can count on Cole Beasley. So he's your goal of the year. Kind of, yeah. He's also, he's also the cool uncle who will like— like he raps for you when you when you ask and stuff. Like he's he's what? like that cool. Do you have yeah. an uncle who raps? Cole Beasley is no, a rapper. But, oh, is the <laughs> I thought you had an uncle that rapped. I was like, let is your uncle related to Macklemore? Yeah, you know that would be amazing. But um, I think Cole Beasley is literally the perfect one for this. I I had to dig a little deep on this. I went with Royce Freeman of the Broncos, and I'm and I'm stipulating. That only for the first half of the season before he be- essentially got benched in favor of Philip Lindsay. Um, but for the first half of the season, he was quietly the running back 23. He was just like a really, really low ceiling, dependable RB2 option. He wasn't going to murder your lineup. He obviously wasn't going to like, you know, lead you to victory, but he was just going to be like a good, like, like Craig said, a good solid eight to 12 points every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, during that stretch, weeks one through eight, he actually scored more points than Sony Michelle, James White, LaShawn McCoy, Tevin Coleman, Joel Mixon, Matt Breida, Duke Johnson, Kenyon Drake. There's a long list of guys that he did better than. Um, he got he got like no fantasy love, um, but he was basically just a solid, unspe- unspectacular fantasy RB two, double digit points in five out of eight weeks and to start the season. And um, if you ended up drafting poorly at the running back spot, he was like a good guy to just kind of like plug in there till you figure your shit out. So. Um, that's who I went with for this one. Yeah, you know, solid he, but unspectacular doesn't feel very cool, Uncle, to me. If you want solid but unspectacular, I'm going to give you Carlos Hyde. That feels like the running back version of, Car- of Cole Beasley. Great one. N- never lower than seven. Ne- like, till last week, never higher than, like, 12. Yeah, you know, he shows up. He's never been married. But he, that's like, not the cool uncle. The cool uncle is, like, it's, like, huge. Like, you know who's the cool uncle? The coolest uncle would be Aaron Jones because every week was, like, 30 points, four. No, 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 no. points. Because you don't see your cool uncle every single week. He only shows up once in a Danny, while when you need him. Have you ever not argued like anything? I'm just ever? trying to... Un- <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> just curious. Class president Heifetz. <laughs> Fuck me. Let's move on. All right. I got this one. I threw this one in without telling either of you. And I'm about, I'm just going to riff. And this completely embodies, by the way, <laughs> class president Heifetz. I'll let you go. <laughs> John Snow off, and Daenerys Targaryen award. Good so God. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Game of Thrones had a prophecy that a messianic figure would end the long night. 
and fantasy football had one too. Chris Godwin, as we've discussed, has received a received a <laughs> yeah. cult like religious level of hype in the preseason. It was like nothing. He united all these kingdoms that I never thought could agree. Everything from PFF to football outsiders. Everyone was like, this is the guy. Even Bruce Arians was like, this is the guy. Bruce Arians was like, this is the guy. Somehow Chris Godwin surpassed all of those expectations. He was, I mean, through 14 weeks, he was the second fantasy football receiver. He was number two, high ceiling and high floor. More games over 30 PPR than under 10. He's the receiver that was promised. I think he's the only sleeper ever who has actually surpassed everything that was ever said about him. <laughs> everything. It's Except for Lamar Jackson, but yeah. Except for Lamar. But Lamar wasn't unanimous. He was unanimous. But like the Game of Thrones prophecy, there were two people required to fill the chosen destiny. It's Jon Snow is Godwin, and then you have Mike Evans is Daenerys Targaryen. They both got really popular right around 2014. Surrounded themselves with some questionable people, like you know Johnny Menzel, and like all you know, there were some real people trying to steal those dragons and stuff. Like in Karth, it was really tough. But what? both Danny and Mike Evans' seasons ended with a sudden injury at a moment they were trying to celebrate because Evans pulled up on a sixty-one yard touchdown, and Daenerys is ruled out indefinitely. And then Chris <laughs> Godwin decided, you know what? I'm not interested in ruling. I, you know what? I'm really upset that I don't have my partner. I'm just going to go out into the nothingness. And then he seated, he his, north. seated his throne to Brashad Perriman, who was the brand Stark of football. <laughs> okay. The punchline was good. That yeah, was a lot to get I was going to cut all of that until you said the brand Stark part. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Okay. I'll take that. The Brashad, the Brashad Perriman, AKA Bran Award is amazing. <laughs> Honestly, she hasn't been interested. Prashad Perryman hasn't been interesting since he was a first round draft pick in the preseason or whatever with the Ravens. And all of a sudden, yeah. All right. Superlative. I kind of love this one. He's good, but he's bad. <laughs> DK, who's good? Yeah, but this bad? is this is like the guy who's a very good football player and very talented real life football player, but like not fun to have on your fantasy football team. And I went with Curtis Samuel, the Panthers this year. Um Samuel ranked 10th in air yards this season, 1,411. Uh, this is through 15 weeks. Um, but, and this is actually, this is a stat from week 14, but it's it's still applicable. Player, This is from Ian Hart. It's players with a catchable deep rate, deep ball rate under 25% among 51 players with 10 such targets. So basically, the only two players with a catchable pass rate of under 25% on deep passes were Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore this year. So what does that tell you about Kyle Allen? It was just brutal. Samuel was actually a very dangerous deep threat, and he was getting deep a lot, getting open deep a lot. Um, But Allen just couldn't feed him the rock. Um, I think if Samuel had a good quarterback, a good deep passing quarterback, he could have gone for like over a 1,000 yards this season based on just like his usage and everything. And so anyways... Through week 15, Samuel was the wide receiver 34. He was extremely touchdown dependent, boomer bust. Um, super exciting player, but just not great for fantasy this year. I mean, if they get another quarterback next year, like DJ, I mean, DJ Moore is already, I think, the third, like number three fantasy receiver in the last like eight weeks or so. So he's already oh, yeah. kind of making the leap. And then you've got Curtis Samuel. If they get anyone who's not an undrafted free agent quarterback on that team, it would be kind of amazing. I think, yeah, and, and the point of this is I think both Moore and Samuel, depending on what they get at quarterback, obviously, but, like, those guys are going to be huge, huge, like, not by low, but, like, very good values next season. I just, now that I was just talking about Carlos Hyde, now I, the good but bad, it's got to be Duke Johnson for me. 
Oh, every yeah, time for someone, sure. Every time Duke Johnson touches the ball, I'm like, yeah. wow, he's so good. I totally agree. And then you look at the stat sheet. Duke Johnson has had two games in his life where his bo- like the box score reflected what he did on the field. And they might have both been in college. I don't even know. Like, like they're not. They, never once is, is he impressive looking at the game, like on on paper. I haven't checked this in a few weeks, but for a, a long, long stretch, the vast majority of the season, he was leading the NFL in elusive rating, which is PFF's thing that is based on essentially yards after contact and broken tackles. So, yeah, yeah. the eye test is off the charts, and the numbers are barely register. So exactly, so that well. That, yeah, that's tough. Sorry, Duke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> silent but deadly, which, again, no explanation needed. I think, so I went with John Brown on this. In, he, I wouldn't say that he was, like, completely under the radar, but I don't think people really appreciated how good he was this season. Um, through week 15, he was very, very quietly the wide receiver 15, high-end wide receiver 2 in PPR. Um, very reliable 50 yards or a touchdown, including one week where he had a passing touchdown in all but one game this season through 15 weeks. And so he was just, you know, the high floor. Obviously, he wasn't super high ceiling because he just didn't get a ton of hype, but um, very high floor, just reliable, dependable guy every week. And 50 yards and a touchdown. The only other person who did that is Michael Thomas, I believe. Is that correct? I don't think anyone did that other than Mike. I don't have that off the top of my head, but it sounds right. Can't guard John or Mike. I think I actually <laughs> think Devontae Parker was the other guy to do that this year. I think it was an all Oh, yeah. No, I think it was like 55 yards. Yeah. <laughs> My son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Craig, who's silent but deadly for you? I think it's Austin. Craig's silent but deadly. Thank TBH you. Too, sometimes. I think it's Austin Eckler, who still is perennially underrated and is not talked about as a top fantasy player. He is the running back three this year. And <laughs> that is insane, considering Melvin Gordon <laughs> came back in week five. And yeah. <laughs> uh, he was the running back 27 last year in points per game. And now it's the running back three this year. I don't know if it's because he's in a timeshare with Melvin Gordon or if it's because like he's not very physically imposing like when you watch him play. But he should be drafted as like a top 10 to 12 running back. And I guarantee you again next year, he won't go that high. And right. I don't know why. Are we doing this like VMA style where it's like if you win the low reward, it means you're not winning a better reward? Or can he just sweep like all the categories he's in? <laughs> he should he because you could again. argue that he's the most valuable Because well, here's my, well, no, I'm arguing something else. Austin Eckler is the 2019 guy you were not supposed to worry about. Yeah, totally. Which I think that's the most prestigious award we have on this podcast. It certainly is. Is he going to be the the first back in that running back Backfield next year is, is uh, imagine Gordon's a free agent. He's back. not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they'll, they need to get somebody like a Carlos Hyde to like spell Eckler, I would imagine. <laughs> God, it should be Hyde. Yeah, it no, has I, to be Hyde. I mean, I had to learn to spell Eckler. It's kind of, con- you know, you get the E and then the K and then the other E, but then there's a 30 late wait, like waiting later in it. And, it's, you know, stuff. <laughs> sure enough, there it is. Pouncing from the shadows. Yes. <laughs> Wow, we are we are getting loopy. We're ready for we're ready for the offseason. It's been a long tortoise, it's been a long season. Tortoise yeah. and the hair, starting slow, finishing strong. DK, who's your tortoise and hair? So I cheated a teeny bit because Hop, DeAndre Hopkins of the Texans. I wouldn't say he de- he necessarily finished strong as so much as he just started slow. Um, and through five weeks, uh, people were starting to freak out a little bit about DeAndre Hopkins. If you go back to the like, Darren Fells week- touchdowns. <laughs> right, exactly. If you go back to our week five podcast, I bet we were like, what the hell is going on with Hopkins? Um, he I, was pl- the pl- wide receiver. Us, we said trade for DeAndre. I will give us that. Yeah, we did say, 
we did say trade low for him because he was going to come back, and sure enough, he absolutely did. Uh, he was actually the wide receiver two from week six on, uh, behind only Michael Thomas. Um, but through week five, he was the wide receiver 17th, seven. <laughs> he was the wide receiver 17, 94th overall. Uh, players like Larry Fitzgerald, Demarcus Robinson, John Ross were ahead of him. Also, his teammate Will Fuller had scored more points than him. So it was getting kind of scary for a while there for people who sunk a top five pick into DeAndre Hopkins. However, he came back hard um, and finished the you know season really, really strong. And like I said, wide receiver two since week six. So he was he was awesome, awesome player again this year. Yeah, basically the exact same thing with George Kittle. People freaked out from the beginning. George Kittle's thing was a little longer. It was more like six weeks, seven weeks. But he's been fantastic the last six weeks. It's and kind great. of the same with Zach Ertz. The first half of the season, he was the tight end seven. The second half of the season, he's been the tight end one. There we go. See? So my question for you guys, based on this award, like, does these, for each three of these guys, like, does picking them wherever we picked them, because each each of these guys is probably a first or second round pick, right? Kittle and Ertz probably second round picks. But Hopkins was a top five pick. Does picking them, was that a bad pick? Because you probably got yourself into a little bit of a hole in the first five weeks or whatever. Hopkins? Because these guys were. You're saying was Hopkins a bad pick? Yeah, because of the slow starts. Like, did that ultimately hurt you enough? Or was what they did in the second half of the season more than enough to kind of make up for that slow like, start? Like, did you is lose it, enough games in the beginning of the season because of Hopkins that you couldn't I don't, recover? Yeah, I mean, this is very anecdotal, but yeah. I'm just curious. No one like, hears why. The top 12 or so picks, Saquon was a bust. McCaffrey was a fucking home run. Kamara oh, God, sucked. the first round was Elliot was fine. Hopkins yeah. was, I mean, he is the wide receiver two or three now or whatever, has been the wide receiver two since week five. David Johnson was off. Again, number 77 running back the last eight weeks. Devontae Adams got hurt and then hasn't been great. Le'Veon Bell, awful. James Conner, hurt and bad. Michael Thomas, exceptional. Julio, really mediocre for a lot of the year. Odell, awful. Gurley, fine. Juju, disaster. Kelsey, great. Tyreek Hill's been solid. Dalvin Cook, homer. Like, the first 18 picks, DeAndre, if you redrafted and you could get the season, like, but you only had the top 20 because we're not going to pretend you would have known this stuff, DeAndre would still go where he's going. Well, that answered my question. I like that. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious, like, kind of what... Because I had Kittle in one league, and it felt disappointing, to be honest. But he did finish strong. So, I don't know. Hopkins is amazing. I also saw him, actually, at LEX once, because he was on a flight to Houston. And mm-hmm. nobody recognized him on the flight. Really? Yeah, no one recognized He was in the Hudson <laughs> News stand, and I just made eye contact. No and was like, huh, I- what? And I checked his Instagram story and it was just like on my way to LAX. And I'm like, oh, I, I think that's the Andre Hopkins. And I just like gave him the nod. He's like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, please, <laughs> please for the yeah. love of God, don't say anything because then I'll get mobbed with this flight. <laughs> All right. Uh, one random fantasy football fact that I had to throw into this episode. This is a superlative for my favorite fantasy football anecdote of the entire year. Okay. This is from Peter King's Football Morning in America column, which itself is coming from Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe. Oakland Athletics general manager Billy Bean, who drafted Kyler Murray ninth overall in the 2018 baseball draft, and then obviously Murray spurned him, took for the Arizona (laughs) Cardinals. Billy Bean drafted Kyler Murray in fantasy football this year. (laughs) And Bean texted Kyler Murray saying, I got you again. (laughs) That's faith right there. That is my favorite story I've heard in the entire year for fantasy. Maybe he'll be back on the A's one day. Who knows? incredible. Or maybe, yeah, that, uh, I just, the thought of that happening is unbelievable. All right, but it is time 
MVP. Most valuable pick. Yeah. Who's your, who's your guy? I, Lamar Jackson, baby. It's Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Ravens are the best rushing team in modern football history. <laughs> like, we don't, it's just that simple. Since the merger, number one in rushing yards per attempt, Baltimore Ravens. Lamar broke Michael Vick's rushing wow. record for a quarterback. We know this. But, like, the year Vick did that, Vick set the quarterback rushing record. He ranked 21st in rushing. Lamar ranks eighth in rushing. He is ahead of Leonard Fournette in rushing yards, even though he has 91 fewer carries. He leads the league in passing touchdowns, but through the first 14 weeks, he had more rushing yards than Saquon, or rushing touchdowns than Saquon, Kamara, and Le'Veon Bell combined. It is unbelievable. DK, I'll give you credit. You wrote before the season, Lamar Jackson could break fantasy football. And Lamar Jackson broke fantasy football. (laughs) He was truly maybe one of the most unique seasons of all time. Like, it, it was just astounding at what he was doing every single week. Not just fantasy. It was just like real-life football. What he was doing was so amazing. But fantasy, obviously, too, he was just incredible. And the best part is you got him in, like, the 11th round. And so, you know, the first 10, especially, like, the first-round guy, like, you're getting a first-round player plus Lamar Jackson. Um, so, yeah, I think he uh, he would be my MVP, too. And, and I'm, I put— I put Christian McCaffrey kind of just like to be a devil's advocate a little bit because um, maybe like – so MVP is always a little bit how you interpret what valuable means. I think Lamar was certainly the best return on investment this season. Um, however, if you look at uh, – Tristan Cock- Cockroft uh, released a list of the players most commonly found on ESPN championship entries and – Christian McCaffrey was actually number one, 54.7%. He, he was on the most fantasy championship teams in terms and, of the two teams that are in the championship round. Um, I can't really get over that. Half of leagues on ESPN's website, Christian McCaffrey is, is in the finals. And so you could interpret that to say he was the MVP of fantasy football this year. I think he was the most valuable player. He carried the most teams to the championship. Um and I mean, the reasons are obvious. He he outscored everybody. First of all, he scored seven. He scored seven more points per game than the number two running back. Not like some guy down the list. The number two guy. He scored an extra, <laughs> like essentially touchdown plus every week than the second guy. Um, so he was just absolutely dominant all year long. Incredibly, incredibly consistent too. Um, and not only did he dominate the regular season. Um, outscoring every single running back by 84.5 points during the regular season, weeks 1 through 13. He's also been dominant in the postseason as well. Um, Obviously, we're recording this before week 16, so we don't exactly know how he does in week 16, but the first two weeks of the playoffs, he's averaged 26.4 PPR points per game. So he's been an absolute foundational player um, for 55% of the teams in the championship round. 55% of teams in championship rounds. Lamar Jackson is second with 47% of the championships he's won on one of the two teams. Austin Eckler, the guy you're not supposed to worry about, is number three. And mm. then I have to shout out Michael Thomas, the Saints receiver, we've somehow not mentioned yet. Might have already broken the single season catches record by the time you hear this. <laughs> and if not, we'll probably do it in week seven. Incredible. Incredible season. If you're in PPR, Michael, Michael, no one's actually been aided by PPR more than Michael Thomas because I think ESPN shifted to PPR three years ago. Yahoo shifted their default to half PPR two years ago. Michael Thomas came into the NFL 2016 and has more catches in his first four seasons than anybody in NFL history by like a lot. So good timing for Michael Thomas. 
I want to, just before we sign off here, because I know we're out of time, but Lamar, if you had on your team Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and Michael Thomas, please send us yes, a screenshot please. of that team, because that is incredible. Or if you're, you can host this podcast if you send us that screenshot. Yeah, right? Or if your team is equally awful, we also want to hear that too. If you drafted everyone yeah. wrong, if you have David Johnson and just Odell and everyone, I would like to see that too. All right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know what? I have superlatives for you guys. You guys are the best. You guys are my favorites. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the only Christmas gift I need. Also, mm. I mean, notice how Marquise Brown wasn't on this list. That was my Christmas. Oh, that, was my Christmas that was my Christmas. Uh, gift I will give you the award up? for the the award for most prolific arguer. I, so thank you for that. <laughs> I call it facilitating conversation. <laughs> thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you to everyone for listening. Happy holidays, and we will be back. We have our DFS show on Friday, and then Craig run us through our little playoff schedule. We're growing DFS for the playoffs. Yeah, we're just going once a week for the whole playoffs. Every Friday morning, we'll be coming to you to talk daily. Beautiful, sweet. All right. Happy holidays.